0: This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one stop podcast to find out about Laravel related news,
1: tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Durenda. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 136. Right off at the top, we want to give a quick thanks to Scout. APM, which is application performance monitoring designed to help PHP developers quickly fix and, or sorry, find and fix performance issues so you can spend less time debugging and more time building. Thanks so much, Scout APM, for sponsoring the show. And Mr. Dorinda, it's such a pleasure to see you. The kids are finally taking their naps, maybe? Mm. No? Mm. Nope. It's no, debatable.
0: They are. they are. Well, yeah, this, we went out this morning for my mother-in-law's birthday. Uh, it was like we went over there to do... Basically, for every birthday, we go to their place. Happy birthday, Reese mom! We do um, trifle or some, you know, cake. Today we had apple cobbler with fresh apples from their apple trees, and it was delicious. And uh, I skipped lunch as a result because that was enough calories for.
1: <laughs> so her birthday the is on Valentine's Day.
0: No, no, no. Her birthday was a few days ago, so it's just we got together. Today. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's Too hard for do us you guys? To do Valentine's Day? Everything. No. We didn't this year. Last year we did cards. This year we didn't even get that far. So
1: <laughs> I said it's to a made-up holiday, yeah, right? I, said to, I mean, I it's a Hallmark Hall holiday.
0: Yeah, yeah, I said to her, you know, we were driving home. I said, I love you. Happy Valentine's Day if you're into that kind of
1: thing. <laughs> <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing, I mean, if you like the whole romance thing, I guess. Like yeah. you know, whatever. Sure, that's that's you know. No, that's funny. No time for that with two children apparently. So. Yeah. Got to make time, man. Got to make time. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, We got no releases on the docket today to talk Mm -hmm. about, which is a little bit odd, but that's okay. That's okay. I think we just got to wait on uh, our little – or not our little – our friend, everyone's favorite human, Mr. Paul Redmond, to inform us of what in the world is going on or – Michael could pull out some of his ninja skills and, uh, get the releases. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. In any case, while he's doing that, I'm going to go ahead and start off with the news. So we've got a brand new Laravel news website. So over the past few months, we've been working on the next version of our Laravel news site, and we're really happy to uh, announce that it just launched this past weekend. So, um, this, this is the official announcement, and, and some of the changes that were made was a, a brand new design that was created by Zangle, some really good friends we have over there. The goal was really to modernize the previous design. It was created in 2016, so the logo got a nice little improvement. They also helped on the tech side by bringing the site to Statomic and full, fully developing the front end, so it's really snappy. If you click around, you'll notice there's like no page reloads. It's just... Mm-hmm. Whoosh, whoosh, Goes it's even really, really, fast.
0: really fast for uh, those of us down here in uh, Australia, far away from everything. Yeah,
1: yeah. so the previous version was powered by WordPress. And then all new posts would be pushed into a Laravel app with webhooks. But um, that was like two systems to manage and keep up to date. So with this version, um, all of it is in one Laravel app, which is why we chose Statamake. Uh, so you can utilize all the Laravel features outside of... CMS. So it powers all the articles, community links, daily newsletter, and all the other custom backend features were powered by custom Laravel code, which is really nice. Um, hosting on Linode, all sorts of fun stuff as far as how we're deploying it and caching it and the software that's being used, as well as a little wrap-up by Mr. Barnes himself. You can check that out on the Laravel News website. Click around a little bit. It looks really, really nice. Well done, team. Nice job. Beautiful. Okay, we've got a new item in the Laravel route helper. Yes, with the release of
0: Laravel 8.26, the router has a new missing method for a convenient way to handle missing records when using route model binding. By default, route model binding will return a 404 response if someone tries to access a non-existent record. Currently, you need to do some customization to check and handle it accordingly. With the addition of the missing method, the scenario is much simpler. So you can just chain arrow missing onto your route definition in your routes file and then handle some... Um, piece of functionality there so perhaps you want if there is a missing record rather than returning a 4 and 4 you could return to a specific location the missing method works with a route caching and should clean up scenarios where you'd like some custom handling when route model binding throws a model not found exception so by default we just get the 404 um, sometimes you want to not do that say for example someone's just looking through your auto incrementing IDs and they fail an authorization check which returns a 404 And rather than presenting them with a 404 page, you just kick them back to the list of their own applications, for example. So um, features like this make Laravel really nice to use. So a big thank you to Adam Campbell who contributed this feature. I've seen Adam Campbell popping up with quite a few things that I'm interested in recently. So definitely going to check that out. I'm doing some work with OpenAPI at the moment and he's got some nice tooling around contract validation, which I will be checking out this week. Oh, really?
1: Nice. Hey, so this last week I was... um, So you ever hear the word XML and like tense up a little bit? Like, XML? I did some
0: XML parsing this week and uh, it was not... How was it? It was... I mean, it was not
1: fine, but it was fine in the end. You know what? So like, okay, because my impression with XML has always been like, oh, no, please, no. I was surprised actually um it wasn't bad at all and actually it was almost better than dealing with csvs in some senses there are trade-offs right it feels like xml is um xml is more structured
0: yeah xml well it is structured but xml is nicer for computers to read but it's horrendous for humans to read so um, it's
1: also really large right like if you're dealing with a large data set and it's always going to be the same 10 fields Mm -hmm. it's like csv wins i mean a lot in that i don't know wins a lot isn't the word there but just as far as file size is concerned yeah. like we're talking like you know much larger if you're using xml yeah. as opposed to xml CSV. Is, you know
0: you've got the tags and you have to attach the attributes Whereas every the time CSV, you've just got exactly. columns, um, with heading Correct. you know one one row is your headings and everything else is there but yep. the issue that i had was that so i was just using this was beautiful this really um reminded me of Of many years ago where I would file get contents an xml file from a remote server and then I would simple xml load string dollar result and then I would iterate over it but the problem that I had was that every now and then one of the the nodes that I was looking in for content would have html paragraph tags and so simple xml interpreted those paragraph tags as additional xml so Things uh, okay. that were supposed to be in, like, you know, yeah. the top level arrow node were mm-hmm. in like arrow node arrow p, and so sometimes that p was there, and so then I had to have an if statement in my code to say like, if there is a tree of p's, then you need to, you know, iterate over them; otherwise, just iterate over the top level tree. So it's um, yeah, it's so, It's yeah. good when you follow the structure, but when you start throwing arbitrary stuff in there, it gets a bit finicky.
1: So that was sort of why I talked about it, because like you brought about, you brought up like uh, you had to validate APIs or something, whatever. So with XML, you can create these XST documents, mm-hmm. right, which you can like validate, you know, the schema against. So it was some client that we were uh, actually not a client, more like a vendor partner that we were talking with about doing some data exchange with, and they're like, "Does this XML look doc- document look good?" I'm like, "Well." I created this XST off that XML. So, as long as you always follow this contract, yes, it'll be great. <laughs> and so, first thing I will do is validate it. If it is not good, I will send it back and say, no, thank you. Send me something else. So, anyway, yeah. That being said, we have got something uh, about dynamic static typing, which you said something about this on Twitter. You're like, hmm, that's almost like an oxymoron, right? Dynamic static typing.
0: You could be dynamic. You can be static, but apparently you can now be dynamic static. So, dynamic
1: static typing. So, Steve Stefan Bumgartner will be presenting on dynamic static typing at the next Laravel Worldwide Meetup, which is coming this Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021, at 1900 UTC. So, you'll be able to watch it live on the YouTube channel. Um, Stefan Bumgartner. Uh, TypeScript type system can grasp the flexibility of JavaScript without restricting its expressiveness a single bit. Learn how generics, conditional types, variadic tuple types, and string literal types can help you formalize what's so inherently dynamic. So that's sort of the abstract of Stefan's talk there. And we're also going to be hearing from Frank DeJong, who is, of course, the creator of FlySystem as well as lots of other open source uh, projects that we utilize. I am a huge, 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 huge fan and user of Fly System. So um, we'll definitely be tuning in for this one. So here's the abstract for this one Fly System was redesigned from the ground up for its second major release. And many of the changes have an underlying idea. So let's dive in and see what those ideas are. So if you've missed any of the previous Worldwide Meetups, you can view them on the YouTube playlist page, which will be linked up in the show notes in this blog post. Otherwise, we'll plan to see you there, February 23rd at 1900. UTC. Can we take a okay. sidebar?
0: Can we take a sidebar and talk about storage? Let's in Laravel? do
1: it. Let's talk about it. Yep. If you Let's do
0: upload it. a file using Laravel, so you've got your form yep. which has its ink type equals multipart slash form or whatever it is, and then you have kay. an input type equals file, and then you upload that and you do your validation mm-hmm. and then you go dollar request or request um, open parentheses file close parentheses. Mm-hmm arrow, store, and then you give it a path and it uploads the file. Okay. Now, what Laravel does under the hood is it will generate a, by default using the store method, a 40-character random string, dot, and then it will guess the extension based on the MIME type. Yeah. The problem is the MIME type is sometimes munged either in the original file or as part of the upload Hmm. process and so the MIME type comes through not as image slash JPEG or audio slash MP3, but it comes through as application slash octet stream. Yes, I've had this happen before. Which means Laravel mm-hmm. will set the extension of this file to .bin. Or I had a QuickTime, like a .mov file the other day that got uploaded as a .qt. And so when I try and throw those what should be audio files or video files into a audio Tag or a video tag, sure. It goes, I don't know how to play this, and just spits the dummy. So I had to use the store as method instead of the store method. And then I generated a 40 character random string. And then instead of appending the guest extension based on the mime type, I just took the original extension. So if the client tells me that it's an MP3, then I will just assume it's an MP3. Because if you put that file, into S3, which I was doing, and you give it the wrong mime type, then when you try and stream that file back or put it into an audio tag or a video tag or whatever, as opposed to just downloading it, what happens is that um, the because the mime type is wrong, S3 sends the wrong headers back and then you just get like this munched file that cannot be played. So um, I don't think there's another solution to that. I know that there is some inherent, quote, danger in, sure. Right. In you know, just accepting because you know someone could upload a JPEG that is actually a binary file that's going to execute some yep. code on you. I I get that. Um, on S three, I'm not terribly worried about it because you know you can't really execute anything on S three, and and this is a closed system, so um, I would be interested yeah, it's trade-offs to know, at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, I would be, and and basically because they were having issues in this application with the upload, you know, they need for the files to play back. And even if you download them, you know, the .bin file, well, someone's going to download that file and go, well, what do I do with this kind of thing, as opposed to it being an Sure, MP3. like if their so,
1: operating system's not going to read it, yeah.
0: So, you know, so we had to essentially dumb it down and just go, well, let's not guess what it is based on the MIME type anymore because we can't rely on that, apparently. Um, and, yeah, I so I wonder if anyone's come across that. I, I suppose in many scenarios using the... The file facade like we're just uploading images and images seem to always work like it always seems to get the mime type right for the image and like if i upload a jpeg then it ends up as a jpeg but mp3 files and and wav files and and mob files and things like that always seem to cause me no end of trouble um in this in, in, a, in a similar version of this application we upload to vimeo so it's not too bad so we go to s3 and then s3 sends a webhook to vimeo and vimeo pulls the file down and then we like play it back through vimeo but this one we just upload them to s3 and then stream them back and hope for the best and provide a download link in case that they can't play the file back so i don't know if there's a better way of going about that or if anyone else has run into these issues with mime type guessing um i would be curious to know
1: i feel like we actually had to do the same thing the mime type would sometimes do that exact same thing come Mm -hmm. in as application octet stream and you're supposed to be like a pdf in that case, and so we didn't have to do the same thing, basically read the original extension. I think we might have done some comparison and said, like, okay, if it's a PDF and if it says octet stream, just go ahead and store as PDF. Otherwise, just go ahead and do the the normal behavior that you do. So yeah. I'm sure there's a a <laughs> reason
0: for that and B a proper workaround for it, but I don't sure. know. So if anyone does know, please Please tell You're us about out. the. Wait, is it my turn to talk? It's my turn to talk. I just. It is your turn talking. to
1: talk. Wow, command line
0: interface to check for PHP security vulnerabilities. Enlighten, Enlighten, which has lost an E. We have gone back, I think, to the time where you know where every SaaS that came out or every new project yep. that came out was like something that was missing a vowel. <laughs> missing Maybe a vowel. The Enlighten Security Checker from the folks behind hmm. Enlighten the Software as a Service is a command line tool that checks if your application uses dependencies with known security vulnerabilities. You can install it globally via Composer to start checking projects. Using the security checker command line tool, you provide a path to your project's Composer.log file to get a report of any vulnerabilities. You can programmatically get a report with the following PHP code, which is essentially just importing the security checker class and going new security checker arrow check path to Composer.log file. The Enlightened Security Checker uses the Security Advisories d- database, which is provided by the Friends of PHP group on GitHub, which is uh, managed by Fabian Potencia of Symphony fame to reference known security vulnerabilities in PHP projects and libraries. So you can check this out, learn more about the package, and view the source code on GitHub, which we have links to in the show notes.
1: I remember there used to be I think it was a Symphony Vulnerability Checker. Do right. you remember that? The Symphony yeah. Checker, yeah. Uh, I was listening it's to the It's defunct now, right? I think they abandoned yeah, it. They so like aban- we stopped well, using they, it, yeah. They
0: didn't abandon, they moved it. So if you go to the um I think it was Sensio Labs. Sensio Labs. That's it is. Yep, Sensio yeah. Labs, yeah. Security Checker. They have marked the archive is read only. Warning, don't use this piece of software anymore as the underlying web service will stop working at the end of January. So it's probably already done. Instead, use the open source CLI tool that does the same locally. So that's provided under the FabPot namespace, FabPot Local PHP Security Checker, or use the Symfony CLI
1: tool. Gotcha, yeah. So we were using that for a long time and then uh, GitHub now has basically the same thing, right? It'll Mm -hmm. check it for you. Uh, Your dependency graph, it'll check through all those. Your node dependencies, your PHP dependencies. And so I'll just get a pull request that says, hey, your Laravel's out of date. Like Mm -hmm. there was a security fix on it. Update it. Sure, I'll do that. Click. Done.
0: Thank you very much, GitHub.
1: (laughs) Done and done. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Generating a Postman collection from Laravel routes. So Paul Redman, everyone's favorite human, wrote this one up for us. So Laravel API to Postman is a package by Andreas Alaya that That allows allows you you to automatically automatically generate a Postman Postman collection based on your app's API routes. Mr. Dorinda, what is Postman?
0: Postman is a GUI application that you can use when you're building an API or when you're testing against a third-party API. Um, And you can essentially configure it for each of the endpoints with some dummy data, put some security tokens in there, and send requests against that API. Uh, So it's really handy if you are building an API if you're... Uh, finish building the API, and you're handing it off to a front-end team or a or a third-party client. You can say, you know, here's a Postman collection. Provide your bearer token, um, and you can just hit the endpoints and see what the JSON looks like and things like that. Uh, yeah, so is, you can even provide nice.
1: like environments. So you could say, like, here's an environment, or here's some values that should be defined, some variables that should be defined, and then they just kind of fill those in. Like you said, like the bearer token, maybe your, uh, you know, some other like identifier, like your, um you know, maybe your applications ID. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's really, really nice. Very cool. And also you can run some tests through it. You can make it so that if you have an authentication, uh, endpoint that you have to hit first in order to get like a Mm -hmm. session token for your, whatever you can say when that comes back successfully, go ahead and update my environment to grab that token from that response and store it. And then for my next requests, go ahead and use, uh, that new token. It's pretty cool. So anyway, that's Postman. Uh, There are lots of other of these, of course, but uh, that's one of them, and I really enjoy using Postman. So Mm -hmm. uh, Laravel API to Postman is a package uh, that allows you to automatically generate a Postman collection based on your app's API routes. So after you install the package, you run the following artisan command, which is phpartisan export colon Postman, and this will automatically generate a Postman collection by introspecting your app's API routes. Um, So it's really helpful. Uh, We ran this this last week, And there was one thing, I'm trying to remember what it was. There's like the variables in your routes. There was something about it. I can't remember exactly what it was, but that it didn't do. Uh, So I was like to one of my guys, yeah, we should do a pull request on that. So maybe, maybe we'll see that. But uh, yeah, in any case, super helpful. And um, if you just have an API, if you, your API routes, and like Michael said, you kind of want to hand this off to another team that's going to be utilizing that front end team. Um, mm. Now you can just generate that Postman collection and hand that off to them. Mm. So it's pretty helpful. In in Great the job, ab- Andreas, thank you. In the uh,
0: in the absence of a, a schema document, like a Swagger or an Open API document, like it will import those directly and and construct collections for you as well. So it depends on on how far you go in terms of documenting your API, but uh, very handy tool uh it is free there's also a paid version yeah um, as well uh
1: the, the you have like version, shared workspaces i think yeah, yeah the,
0: the the free version has uh 25 shared requests whereas the team version has um, unlimited shared requests and things like that there's also insomnia which is at insomnia.dev uh, which is a similar thing that was I, think the other that, one I was thinking of i yeah. think they're forked from the same sort of source repository and they're slightly different but uh, basically they're the same thing they're both both pretty nice yeah. Next up, we have Tasty Igniter, which is an open source restaurant software. Um, it is self-hosted and it is used for managing uh, – it's a restaurant management platform based on Laravel and provides features such as online ordering, reservations, and more. Uh, it allows you to manage restaurant chains, easily order online food, have fast online bookings, multiple payment options, table management, food reviews. It is multilingual. It's customizable order size, minimums, delivery zones. Customers can choose between delivery and pickup. There is the option to select faster pickup times, discounts and promotions, custom extensions to add even more. Um, we can check out our demo page to get a feel for the default front-end and admin features and once ready to start using Tasty, Tasty Igniter in a project, the documentation has guides for theme customization, custom pages, and more. If you'd like to contribute, the source code is available on GitHub. Check it out. If uh, if you've ever you know gone into the local restaurant, local mum and pop, and... Uh, gone, gee, you should have a website so I don't have to come in here because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, This could be something (laughs) that you could offer your services to them for. So definitely check it out.
1: Very nice. Hey, we wanted to take a quick second here to thank our sponsor for this show, which is Scout APM. We mentioned it at the top of the show, but this is an application performance monitoring tool designed to help PHP developers quickly find and fix performance issues without having to deal with large enterprise platform feature bloat. So the things I really enjoy about Scout APRM is that it has a developer centric UI. It also has logic that traces bottlenecks to actual source code so it can help you really fast Uh, really quickly pinpoint and resolve your performance abnormalities like n plus one queries or slow database queries memory things uh, before your customers have to report them to you you can spend less time debugging and more time building they've got real-time alerting weekly digest emails and you can rest easier knowing that scouts on watch to help you resolve your resolve your performance issues before your customers see them you can get a free 14-day trial and experience firsthand why php developers love scout and call it their best Friend, new startup plan pricing starts at just $39 a month. And For Laravel News listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. You can learn more at scoutapm.com slash Laravel News. Thanks again, Scout. We appreciate it. Okay, we've also got Lara Firebase, which is a package by Gentrit Abazi. And this provides sending push notifications and custom messages with Firebase in Laravel applications. So this package uses Firebase Cloud Messaging, which is a cross-platform messaging solution and allows you to send messages at no cost uh, to send notifications to users on the client side. So an example notification, and this is a tutorial I should mention, uh, an example notification class that provides a to Firebase method. Uh, to send notifications via the custom Firebase channel is provided in this tutorial. Uh, but you also need to write some client code to receive these messages to use this package. Uh, so you can check out the project's JavaScript client folder for an example of how to use the package on the client side. You can learn more about the package and get full installation instructions uh, at the link in the show notes. So this seems sort of, to me, uh, like a pusher replacement, if you will. Yeah? You think so? Yeah, sending not push sure. notifications and custom messages with Firebase. Now, Firebase is—I um, believe it's like a Google thing. It's a Google thing. So uh, I wouldn't rely on it. Yeah, it is now. It didn't time. used to be, but it is now. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a uh, NoSQL database that's hosted on Google, on yeah. Google's platforms, right? Yeah, it is a messaging
0: um, messaging platform.
1: not only a messaging platform, they actually have a lot of stuff here that makes it really easy to develop things about around native apps. So they'll, they'll handle all your authentication. They'll handle the storage of all the information Mm -hmm. about each user. Um, they've got some really great tools. I've got a friend who uses Firebase all the time and he can't say enough good things about it. So I think this is just maybe like a really, really, really slim sort of, Aspects of what Firebase can offer you. Mm -hmm. I I don't think this is maybe necessarily even primarily what it's used for, but it is a a a way that you can use it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A whole bunch of stuff
0: predictions, A B testing, cloud messaging, in app messaging, remote configuration, dynamic links, Google AdMob, Google Ads, app indexing, crash analytics, performance monitoring, Tesla, etc., etc., etc. So there's a whole bunch of stuff for, I suppose, managing, um, you know. Firebase helps you build and run successful apps. So, yeah.
1: So this looks like with Firebase Cloud Messaging, uh, it's a cross-platform messaging solution, hmm. and so uh, you can notify client apps that for free, right? There's there's no cost, and so um, like instant messages, uh, you can you can transfer up to like four k of of uh, of a payload uh, to a client app. Um, so. Interest, interesting in any case. Yeah, if that's what you need to deliver, it's just like a really quick little message to the person who is consuming the app. Um, this would be an interesting way to do that, especially yep. if you have a bunch of people doing it. You don't have to pay for uh, an expensive subscription to do that. Mm-hmm. Nice.
0: Beautiful. We have Laravel Blade Sortable, which is a package by Andreas uh which provides custom blade components to add sortable drag-and-drop HTML oh, yeah, elements in your apps. The package uses sortable.js and alpine.js to enable sorting and provides two custom blade components to enable sorting of DOM elements. You have the parent laravel blade sortable colon colon sortable and you also have the child sortable dash item uh, components. Without writing any custom JavaScript, you can achieve a beautiful drag and drop sortable UI. The package also has Laravel lifewire support, along with other advanced customization options. So check out the readme, which details component options as well as the advanced features that are available. You can learn more about the package, get full installation instructions, and view the source code on GitHub. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes.
1: This is really a feat, by the way. Like I feel like I remember trying <laughs> to do something like this with jQuery UI yeah, way back in the yeah. day, and it was just a nightmare. I just a freaking nightmare.
0: Even trying to do it in like a view. Like early days of view doing sorting was just painful, and getting like things to drag and drop and sort and stay. In. And so it's nice that we're here at this place, and the the Laravel ecosystem is um, robust enough now and, and fully featured enough that you know we've got Livewire and we've got Alpine and we've got obviously Laravel itself. That all of these things kind of are just there to to make these modern web applications. And Jeffrey Way spoke about it on his most recent laricar snippet where like every time he wants to build a new app for the kinds of apps that he's building laravel just has everything that he needs in there it's got queues in there it's got jobs it's got events it's got you know all of the sort of third party but kind of first party supported ish things like you know inertia and and um live and things like that they're all just there to you know essentially do the same thing but give you all the tools in a slightly different way to fit whatever your preference is so um it's it's definitely a great time to be a a developer in terms of what you can achieve but it's also a a tricky time because it's there's so much going on as well so
1: yeah it's really the the stuff he's got out there as far as he had a tweet out here but he's also got another these examples in his um in his uh repo but there's like four or five examples that are just really solid, right? Really, really solid. All sorts of ways you can do. So like you could literally have like inputs that are then sortable, draggable. Mm-hmm. Um, you could use the sortable draggables to create a list of inputs or like an array that you would send through to your front end. It's just, or, or your back end, it's just really well done. So um, nice job, Andreas. This looks awesome. Thank you so much for providing this for the community. All right, we've got another three tutorials here, and then we are wrapping up. So uh, the first one we want to get to is this one, which will come up in my browser eventually. There we go. So this is a tutorial about how you can manage your Kubernetes clusters with PHP and Laravel, which seems sort of insane that you could manage those with PHP and Laravel, honestly. So Laravel PHP K8 is a package that provides access to features offered by the excellent uh, PHP K8 package in Laravel. So the underlying PHP K8 package is a PHP handler for the Kubernetes cluster API. And so with it, you can automate management, creating, deleting, updating, et cetera, individual Kubernetes resources directly from PHP. So there's some examples here in the, uh, tutorial. Again, I'm not going to read through what those are, uh, but they explain some of those and, um, some of the configuration you have to set up, how you can go through uh, and do that. There's multiple ways to connect to the different cluster instances, which means you can configure them and specify connection types just like you would normally do or expect to be able to do in your Laravel code. Um, So lots of uh, instructions and more information about this package. If you are using Kubernetes and if you want to use Laravel to manage those clusters, then you can do so with this package. So thanks, Paul, for writing that up. He is our Docker sort of man here. Um, any questions about that he's got a book called docker for php developers that's actually really really easy to read and uh, is really well done so um yeah if, if you're kind of on this bandwagon on this train go check out his book too it'd be much appreciated thanks paul definitely Ooh, this next one's a good one
0: taylor otwell the creator of the laravel framework shared a demo of the next major version of laravel spark showing the power of the next generation of spark by going from laravel New to a subscription-based SaaS application in just 10 minutes. Some of the exciting new features coming to the new version of Spark include an isolated billing portal. So if you've ever used Stripe checkout where you would simply send your user to the Stripe hosted page to set up their subscription, manage their payments, check their invoices, things like that, uh, this is a very similar concept. It supports both Paddle and Stripe when it launches this week. It allows you to bill users monthly, annually, or on a per-seat basis. It supports recurring payments and allows you to customize the primary color and logo from within a Laravel configuration file. So Taylor put out a 10, 12-minute video on YouTube the other day where uh, he walks you through getting set up with subscription plans for your application and provides your customers with a billing portal. The portal allows you to see the available plans, upgrade, and pause subscriptions and view a billing history, including the invoices. Now, for those of you who have... um, Bought Spark in the past. This is a separate purchase. There's no real upgrade path because the, um, you know the, the way that it works is is completely different. So the original version of Laravel Spark was an all in, all encompassing sort of kickstart for your software as a service. Yep. Um, with the release of Jetstream, all of the sort of team management, user management, profile management kind of stuff was pulled out into a separate free and open source boilerplate starter and all of the billing stuff is staying with spark um so laravel spark here is a paid major version and successor to what is being called laravel spark classic the next version is designed to be an isolated billing portal that's separate from your application and since it's self-contained it doesn't affect any technology choices that you want to build in your main application At the time of this recording, Spark will cost $99 per site, or you can buy an unlimited license for $199. It will be available for purchase starting from the 16th of February, 2021. So make sure you get on the waiting list for the earliest access and any launch specials that may or may not appear. You can sign up today on spark.larabelle.com.
1: Yeah, this was a great video. It was like, boom, right out of the gate, content, like I love that about like Jeffrey Way's videos, especially, and Taylor did a great job on this. Um, He goes fast enough that he keeps a good pace, but he's not like leaving you behind. Everything that he's going through is really very explainable, super simple. Um, And he actually just uses Breeze for this one. Um, and so he just sets up really quick. Doesn't mess with any of the, uh, jet stream stuff as far as teams, whatever. This is just like, if you wanted to just get it up and going really fast, um, and breeze looks beautiful as well. Uh, everything looks so nice and so clean. It's so fresh. Um, it, this handles some really complicated logic on the back end, right? All the things that have to do with web hooks and all that stuff, it's all handled for you. Now, What he doesn't go through in the video is some of the setup that you'll have to do on the other side, whether you're using Paddle or Stripe. Uh, So there will be some documentation you'll have to dig into a little bit, right? So I think he assumes that you've gone in and that you've set up your products as they would need to be defined in Paddle or in Stripe so that you can paste those ID values into your configurations. So there's a little bit of learning there, um, but you're going to have to do that. I mean, you know, where do you kind of cut it off, right? And so um, he's explained everything that's explainable on the Laravel side without having to like dig into like the specific UI of paddle or stripe depending on which one you're going to use. So, um, I know with bringing paddle on board, this is big too, because bringing paddle in also brings in PayPal support as well. So this is really friendly for international users who might not be using credit cards or things like that, which stripe accepts really easily. Um, so this is a, this is a really, really great step forward. And I think it's going to help a bunch of people for sure for sure. So thanks, Taylor. Looks really, really great. We uh, Lastly, we have a tutorial here that talks about the ultimate performance checklist for Laravel apps. So this might be something you'd want to say like, okay, we're just buttoning this app up. We've got everything sort of um, working and running. Our tests are passing. We've done some like QA work. We've done some end-to-end tests, like use user testing. And now we just want to make sure that we kind of are looking to make sure that we have our performance Um, as good as it can be. So this is a little checklist for you to run through. Um, This was put together by um, Enlighten, which we talked about a little bit earlier in the show. So of course, Laravel is really fast out of the box, right? But it also has some great ways that you can optimize your configurations and application code. So uh, we're just going to go down the list here. So number one, use inbuilt performance quick wins, things like Route cache, uh, view caching, uh, event caching to cache a manifest of all your apps, events, and listeners. So um, these caching commands can be added to your deployment script so that every time you deploy, your routes, your config, your views, all your events are all recached. Otherwise, of course, those changes don't make it into your new application, your new deployed application. Uh, You've got optimizing... Composer. So you can use the no dev flag. If you happen to be installing all your developer uh, dependencies when you uh, install, you can skip doing that most of the time. Um, You can prefer uh, dist on that. Use the dash o flag that enables Composer to optimize the autoloader by generating a class map. Um, They've got a couple other suggestions in there. Um, You can also make sure you're choosing the right cache, queue, and session drivers. Depending on which provider you're using, it can make quite a difference to the application's performance. Uh, So they have uh, suggestions in here for caching in production, for queuing in production, and for sessions. Uh, So we want to take a look at that and kind of make up your own mind. But some some good suggestions there over which services you might want to use. Um, The idea behind queuing time-consuming tasks so instead of doing things on the front end and waiting for your, your users waiting for those tests to complete push those to the background and get back to your user uh, as quickly as possible setting compression headers on text format files setting cache headers on static assets using cdns minifying your code uh etc 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 so that's the vast majority of it uh, we've also got of course they Suggest here, because Enlighten does some of this performance monitoring, as does our Scout APM, they suggest that highly that you would uh, use one of those tools to catch performance bottlenecks, things like N plus 1 queries or duplicate queries or high memory usage, things like that. Uh, So overall, a great tutorial that you can use as a final checklist to make sure that you're getting the best performance out of your Laravel app before you push that thing to production. Hey, folks, that's all we've got for you today on episode 136. Uh, we do want to, again, thank our sponsor, Scout APM, for sponsoring the show today. Show notes for this episode can be found at podcast.layerval-news.com slash 136. I think that's where they can be found. I don't know. Is the URL different now? No, it it's the same, just still think? Yeah, no. It'll, still the be be same? Because the podcast awesome. site
0: is hosted on that Transistor.
1: That's true. That is true. Uh, and, of course, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter. Hit us up at Jacob Bennett at Michael Durinda or at Laravel News if you have any comments or questions. And if you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate you giving us a five-star rating in your podcaster of choice. That would be absolutely excellent. Mr. Durinda, any final thoughts before we let the people go? Nothing at all. Do hit us up.
0: Hit me up. Hit the podcast up if you know anything about these mime type guessing issues that i talked about earlier on be interesting to see if there's a different solution to my sledgehammer approach so
1: (laughs) it's always good to know always good to be able to engage the community this is definitely not the first time this problem has happened right so all you people out there who have dealt with this hit michael up same of save him a couple days and some headaches It'd be great he's got enough headaches going on right now lack of sleep (laughs) crazy kids you know how that goes All right, folks, we'll see you in a fortnight.